Hello and welcome on in to episode 108 of the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm John Tortorelli, Brandon Capizello, and Justin Ray. And today, we'll get to talk about Chris Paul being waived. What do you know? He wasn't then. BP free. And then we'll discuss the NBA Finals actually before. Uh, and also at the same time, we're going to rank Nikola Jokic and how great this current playoff run he's on. I'm pretty excited for today's episode because it feels like um, the Nuggets are just one win away from securing an NBA championship. And last night was a clear sign to me when they don't make mistakes, they're damn near impossible to beat. So it, it's a good morning here in Jersey. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good day. It's a good day. Not for the Miami Heat, though. But finally, it seems like uh, one of my predictions is going right. Uh, take pride in your wins and all this good, good, gener- good generosity and whatnot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just want to say before we, you know, get into some negative stuff for Brandon, like my Miami Heat being down two one. I do want to just give a shout out to one thing. Um, the show Ted Lasso season three had just concluded. I finished it. I was a little late to the party. Oh, I just got to say, what a goddamn show! I tweeted this. If you don't watch this show, and I'm sure John probably hasn't seen it, if you don't watch this show, you're doing yourself a disservice because this show is not only great in terms of it's funny and stuff like that, but it makes you think, it makes you feel, it handles real life issues so well and perfectly. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Ted Lasso. Um, it, it's a it's it's a phenomenal show, and you just gotta check it out. Three seasons. The first episode, you'll be hooked, line and sinker. Yeah, honestly, John, you should watch it. Had I known you were going to bring that up, Brandon, I would have worn my uh, Be a Goldfish shirt that I have. Always be a goldfish. Always be a goldfish. Do you know why he should be a goldfish, John? You know why the Miami Heat should be a goldfish, John? Because they have the shortest memory of all animals. 10-second memory. Be a goldfish. John's not moved. I don't think he gets, gets what I'm trying to get at. Basically, the Miami Heat should forget that they just took an L. Move on. Be a goldfish. Have a 10-second memory. We're on to game four, baby. All right? Let's talk about game three. Let's go. What stood out to me was this was a battle of the stars. I felt like it was Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and Christian Brown versus Dan Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. And yesterday, the Heat shot 17 of 46 in the paint. It was the story of game one. Um, Bam and Jimmy have been good for mid-range, especially in games one and two, but at the end of the day, the Heat missed a ton of layups in this game. A lot of chippies, a lot of bunnies. And the Nuggets, too, they just, I felt like, limited mistakes. When the Heat get wide-open threes this postseason, they've been automatic. But in Game 3, they only got a few. In fact, NBA.com had them tracked with zero wide-open threes, which is untrue. Max Struess got an open one, so did Keelan Martin. But when the Nuggets are rotating well and not being total boneheads, fouling three-point shooters left and right, I don't know if the Heat can beat the Nuggets. I think this series, it's going to come down to the Nuggets being themselves. And that's why I feel great for them moving forward. And honestly, that's why Michael Malone needs a lot more respect. Because if it weren't for him, I don't know if the Nuggets would be uh, playing with their head on a swivel the way they have all, pull out, uh, all playoff long. You know, to be honest with you, uh, I, I really just feel like I said it in game one, I, I think Miami is just overmatched here. I think you're, the deficiencies that they showed in the regular season, they're rearing their ugly head again. And that's the team that we saw. They, I don't think they can match up well with the Denver Nuggets. I think Denver is just way too good. I think yesterday was the first time in NBA history 
two teammates score 30 plus and triple doubles it's it's absolutely unbelievable they're unguard they're an unguardable team and you know i honestly think that they they actually got a little lucky winning game two i'm, I'm not gonna lie to you i, I gave them one in, in my prediction because i have too much respect for the guys but i think that's about all you're gonna get here so you still have it ending in five justin yeah that's over bro i'm sorry oh and John, do you where do you have it? Did you change your opinion or? I never changed my opinion, right? What are you talking about? No, I mean like I think you had it in six Nuggets in six. I'm saying, do you have it in five now? Or are you sticking with Nuggets in six? I think Miami will get one more, and the Nuggets will one there right there. Miami yep. wins it in Miami. Uh sure, they can take him for. Okay. Um. So yeah, I disagree with you guys. Obviously, um, I think it's simply just the fact that. Guys are missing um, open shots. That was obviously the fact in game one. Um, every all, all the numbers were close. Rebounds, turnovers, um, free throws were a big discrepancy. Miami only shot two free throws to uh, – I forget how many the Nuggets shot. I think they shot 10 or something like that. Well, that's all. because the Heat didn't attack at all. Like, it wasn't like the rest. Sure, but there were there – were, I guarantee if we watched the entire 48 minutes, Sean, next to each other, we could point to some shots where Miami didn't get the call. Um uh yes they didn't drive but also i don't think you can sit there and say like there were weren't times where miami shouldn't have gotten a call because they're 1000 percent were um yeah good thing they made up for that in game too yeah but sure um they also missed um open shots in game one obviously max Struess went over uh caleb martin made one shot the entire game but in in game two that was obviously the different you know a difference obviously we're not going to continue shooting at like that historic of a rate, um, but 40%, 39%, that's, that's pretty reasonable. I mean, last game guys were just missing, you know, shots as well. And I know you can point to some people like, listen, Jimmy had a pretty great game. All things considered, he showed up. Bam was very good in the first half. Uh, and then shooting wise uh, tailed off in the second half. Didn't really have a, you know, in total, he was seven for 21. That was, you know, not very good. Gabe Vincent, two for 10. That's not going to work. Struis only made one shot again. Uh, Duncan, while he, it looks three for six, those last two, you know, were in, in garbage time. So he was really um, uh, one for two, I think it was, or one for three, whatever the hell it was. Uh, Kyle Lowry, he gave a little bit. Caleb Martin gave, uh, Caleb Martin had a little bit of a stretch in the second quarter, I think it was, where he scored eight points or something. It simply was how, in the in in the games leading up to it, mostly the others have really, um, especially in the Eastern Conference Finals. If we're going to be honest, Jimmy didn't. Besides the first two games, didn't carry the load. It was more of the others. It was Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, and, and et cetera, et cetera, right? And that they didn't show up, and that was very. I'm gonna. Uh, it, it wasn't you know characteristic of what the, this Miami Heat you know have done this playoff run. Uh, and Justin says it looks like we're reverting back. Uh, I mean, I don't see that. Um, we had a three-game bad stretch against Boston. We were able to, to you know, come back and, and finish out a game in, in seven. And the, the doubt for this Miami Heat team has always been there, right? You, you, you know, Justin says we're overmatched. We're overmatched. Yeah, we were overmatched against the Bucks, the Bucks, and we took them out in five. We were overmatched against Boston, all right, and we beat them. 
It's not different. Obviously, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, who the hell is taking credit away from them? Because I'm sure as hell not. I'm the one who called Jamal Murray being this fucking good. And I know a, guy, a certain guy on the show walked out of the room and I said, I'll take him over Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, who's walking out now, John? Yeah, all right. I, I've never sniffed at Nikola Jokic's game. Now, he has impressed me even more because I've seen even more of him now. His touch is absolutely astounding near the rim. Within five feet, it's like that guy doesn't miss. I got to be honest with you. It's a, and, and the ball bounces every which way. It'll bounce deep on the right side of the rim, crack there, and then lay in. It's unbelievable, his touch for, uh, for within like five feet, right? His rebounding skills is unbelievable. He just had 20 boards. His passing vision is next level. We get all of that. I've never taken anything away from those two. They, Jamal Murray scares the living shit out of me. I say that as a Miami Heat fan. He scares me because of how nuclear, nuclear that guy can go. I say all that, and I said before game one when we did our predictions, what did I say? I say you cannot quantify what this Miami Heat is go- team is going to do to win this series. I just said it's it's a Cinderella story. It's 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 a story of destiny and fate. I said history is going to be made, but not on Denver side, on this Miami Heat side. And you shake your heads no, but that's exactly what you were doing against Milwaukee. That's exactly what you were doing against the Knicks, Justin, not not John, but Justin was. It's exactly what you guys were doing against Boston as well. I'm not just talking about you two. I'm talking about the entire NBA community. And that's what they're doing now when we're facing Denver and that's fine. But Justin, I just mentioned Ted Lasso to start off the show. What was one of Ted Lasso's meanings throughout the show? It's one word. It's even taped on the, on the door right before. Believe. What is Believe. Believe. I don't know. Eric Spolster's quote. I don't know how we're going to get it done, but we're going to go there and we're going to get it done. Uh, you know, and I'm so sorry <laughs> to, to be burst in bubbles, but you know, for a Cinderella story, you guys are up 3-0 against Boston and lose three. Okay, mm-hmm. that's still bad. That the fact that, that will never be remembered. Back. You will nobody no, will no, ever no, remember you, that. You're, you're nobody will ever right. remember that. You know what? But you know what? In your last seven games, you guys are two and five. You guys don't look good right now. In oh. most cases, a team that goes two and five in the playoffs is usually getting axed, which is what you guys are on your well, way. We to do. basically so, won Game Six. In Miami, but you without didn't. a lucky, I so, get that. But like context matters too. If you want to bring up context, context, you know the two and five. Well, then let's bring it because game six was a lucky bounce to the left. Derek White, point one mm-hmm. seconds. If the refs don't fuck up the clock, we win that game. Yeah, but then you guys have to go out and play another forty-eight minutes. So and we won. That, yes, but that's we dominated. Tactic. We just that's went. Tactic. We dominated. You guys didn't. John, please answer this. After that series. Miami Heat fans, no way you're pounding your chest after escaping Game Seven. You were like, no, Oof. but no way to make it out alive because you're about to be on the wrong different. side of history. Hold so, on. my to my point, to my point, when I say you guys reverting back to old habits, you guys are missing the shots because in the regular season you weren't a good shooting team. Now you're showing that again. That is exactly why you came into the postseason skeptical on how far Miami can go. They're showing exactly why you were skeptical in the first place now. This series is done. 
I'm telling you, once you they lost all momentum. If you would have told me they took Boston out in five or even swept them, I'd have more faith. But the fact that you went on, you lost three, they end up taking you to seven, showing all your faults. You you put it dead smack on all of our screens. All the bad things that you did in the regular season, you did it in those three games against Boston. And then you take it into Denver. You can't shoot there. You got lucky in game two. Yes, they did. They got lucky in game two because I think they scored 35 points in the fourth quarter. They just got hot because this is just a few shots away from being a 3-0 Denver lead and Jokic getting ready to pack you guys out in Miami. So I'll be honest with you. I really don't see it. It was a fantastic season. And if you want to say it's sure, that's a Cinderella story in itself that Miami, the eight seed, getting to the finals. That 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 is a, a, a story in itself. I think they need to take take their W, take the little wins, fantastic season, build on it. You got okay. Damian Lillard saying that he prefers to be in Miami. I don't care. I, we're, not, yeah. we're, we're not talking. We're that's not talking nice No, but that's I'll what I'm saying. That's time. your Cinderella no. story. All right, I'll now let you go on your little soliloquy. I'll let you go on your little soliloquy. I didn't interrupt you. I let you talk. Okay, we're not getting into Damian Lillard acting like this goddamn series is over. Okay, because you're going to eat your words if you start doing that. Nobody was pounding their chest, Justin, out of the Boston series, not because of what we just did to Boston, because as a Miami Heat fan, I think I speak for all logical and actual fans of the Miami Heat when I say this. It was a healthy fear of Denver. That's why we weren't pounding our chest. Because we knew Denver's legit. We know Denver's better than Boston. We know Denver's better than Milwaukee. But that's why we weren't pounding our chest. Because it was a healthy respect. But we still want... But here's the thing. They might be better than Boston and Milwaukee. But we still walked into Milwaukee and Boston as underdogs, as the team that was inferior, just like we're going in the NBA Finals. Might be a bigger gap, but still inferior. And we beat them. Now you talk about dropping three. Fine. That's fine. But series is go that way. Boston's a great freaking team. You shouldn't expect them to get wiped out in five. That shouldn't be the case. I, 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 I'm i not going to sit here and tell you a lot of what you guys are saying are wrong. Because I'm, I'm not. I, I feel like I haven't. I've agreed with you on Yoke. I've get, like I'm given all this credit, and so Michael Malone is showing that he is a very damn good head coach in this league. There was skepticism on him. There was skepticism on the team built around Jokic. I know John and uh, uh, our boy that we have on the show, Romain, were even skeptical. One episode you can go look up about this t- surrounding team of Nikola Jokic that they weren't getting the job done this season. This season, a couple of months ago, you guys were doing that. Yeah, and we're watching MPJ and KCP shit the bed. Okay, <laughs> that's but that's fine. About. But see, this is what I'm saying, though, right? The team was always good enough to win because the parts built around the Nuggets were perfect. And there's no more disrespect to Jamal Murray. I'm not having that where it's like Jokic and others. Like, you better not – Jamal Murray is not an other, okay? That is disrespectful as hell to Jamal Murray. It's a playoff But, yeah, you want to say – MPJ is struggling from the field. 100% he's not making his shots. KCP, same thing, he's not making his shots. Shooters sometimes have slumps. They don't make their shots. But I will tell you this. I'm worried as shit that those guys' shots are going to start falling because they are very good shooters. You're not going to sit here and tell me that they are not because I know they are. So I'm still scared that those guys have not had a good game yet and we're three games in and one, both of them can explode in one game and that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. 
Okay. But I'm not going to, Aaron Gordon is playing very good defense. He's, he's attacking low when he gets a switch and it's not against Jimmy or bam or Kevin love. He's usually eating on that because he's a big ass mother effort. But I, I, again, I can't sit here and disagree with what you guys are saying. I'm just saying, I guess I have seen a completely like that third quarter for me is what lost us the game, obviously. Right. I think you guys would agree with us, agree with me on that. The third quarter is where we lost the game. And that third quarter to me was a complete blur. It just, I can't explain it. It, it was a bad quarter for the Miami Heat, and we didn't show up and, and get the – Jimmy did. Jimmy went five for six for 12 points. The others went, I think, three for 14 for eight points. That was, you know, obviously the story of the um, of the entire game. The others didn't show up for the Miami Heat. But I, I got to be honest with you. I'm not – just like I don't believe Michael Porter Jr. and KCP shots won't stop falling because I don't – I do think that they will start falling. Bra- uh, I'm just learning that – Apparently Christian Braun's name is not Christian Braun. It's Brown, but it's it's spelled Braun, and but it's pronounced Brown. That's very confusing. Yeah. You need to change that. You need to change that. You just need to change it. You need to change it. Go, you go, you got the money. Go to the the wherever you got to go, the courthouse, and just change it to Brown. Okay, we, we can't be doing this. So on that rookie salary, what's that's not here. The, 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 the rookie salary still making the oh, lay John. I can't say that these guys' shots won't start falling, but I also can't sit here and say. Gabe Vincent's shots won't start falling. He just had a great game in game two in Denver. And usually role players play better at home. We should, Last time I checked, game four is in Miami. Okay, Gabe Vincent, I think shots are going to start falling as well. Well, last time I checked, Gabe Vincent's shots have been falling. He's shooting 46% so far through three games from downtown. I'm talking last game. Right. Last well, game. The first two games, he was on fire. He couldn't miss. That's what I'm saying, though. That's what I'm saying. His shot, I think his shot, he had a bad game. That's what I'm saying. He got to have a bad game last game. I think his shot will start falling in game four again. Max Strews, he's hot and cold. I think his shot can start falling. We saw how much of an igniter he was in the first quarter of uh, two games ago. Duncan Robinson, we saw what the hell he could do. We need to use him more. We need to use, he was not used effectively in game three. And you need to use that guy effectively because you see how hot he can get. You got Caleb Martin. Has Caleb Martin been the same guy he was in the Eastern Conference Finals? Hell no. Hell no. I don't expect him to play that well, but I don't expect him to regress as much as he has, where in the first two games he's making one shot and scoring three points in each game. So I do expect these guys in Miami to play better. Bam, I expect him to shoot better. So, uh, but but again, I can't disagree with you guys. This is gonna. I don't see this being a wipeout series. I still got heat in six. I will wow. be willing to push. Ah. I will be willing to push wow. that I do think there is a chance that it's heat in seven because there is a narrative going around, and whether you buy into it or not, uh, it, it is the kit. Miami, this Miami team, and it alludes to the reverting back thing. They like to do things the hard way. For some reason, this Miami Heat team likes to do things the hard way. And the hard, what's the hardest thing you could think of? What's the hardest thing you could think of winning this finals? Pushing it to seven and winning in Denver in seven. That would be the hardest thing to do. So there is something to that. But again, Milwaukee and Boston series in the road. I, I will come on this show dressed as a banana if Miami does come back to win this series. That that's how confident I am. Look, Brian, I get you're a Heat fan, and so you have to have this energy, but I don't know how to tell it to you. I don't know what they've got to beat this Denver team. I mean, Bam Autobio is the only one that can guard Jokic. Um He's the only one that could actually stop him on the glass. He's playing 40 minutes. He's taking 21 shots. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any recipe for Miami to legitimately beat the Nuggets four times in seven games. 
because look, man, if Kayla Martin, who's coming off this sickness, flu game energy, whatever you want to call it, is not going to be what he was in the conference finals, you're basically relying on Gabe Vincent to outplay Jamal Murray. And the bench of the Nuggets is playing really well right now for the first time in years. Christian Brown was phenomenal last night. He made yeah. every single shot outside. I don't expect him to do that again, though. I think that was his game for this uh, series. I don't expect him to have that good of a good shooting game night. Too as well. And if you uh, look at what yeah, he didn't shoot seven for eight, he didn't shoot seven for eight in game two. But he gave him great minutes and really. Good no, 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 no. I'm not saying he's not going to give you great minutes. He has energy and defensive wise, he's going. I'm saying shooting wise, I don't expect him to shoot that well. And I think you're going to agree with that. You sure? You think he's going seven for eight again? You think he's going seven for eight again? Well, if you guys are going to sell it to stop this duo, somebody's going to cook. This I don't good, expect Christian Brown to go seven for eight again. I think I can put a lot of money on that one. I would be correct with that. And no. it's not selling out. It's. I also think – Right. You guys made Jokic a score, of course. Now we'll stop. No, no. Not, not making Jokic a score. I don't – I love that. I, that's not what I was going to say. I was going to say Jimmy – on Jamal, obviously, was the right matchup in game two. I didn't mm-hmm. see enough of that in game three. Um, whether that was a concerted effort, Miami just Jimmy not getting on him, or it was a concerted effort, Denver making, you know, calling for a lot more switches and picks and stuff like that to get Jimmy off of him. But that needs to be a major – like Bam and Kevin Love need to be guarding Jokic at basically all times. Get Cody Zeller the hell off that court. Jim, plus Jimmy, four last Butler. Night. Jimmy Butler needs to be guarding Jamal Murray, right? And that's just the recipe for success. I will say this. Cody Zeller needs to get the hell off the court, okay? It is getting ridiculous. Whether it is Bam Adebayo has to play 48 minutes or whatever the case may be, Cody Zeller cannot be playing. He cannot be playing. And I don't care what you do. Whether it's putting putting yurt seven in, I don't care. Cody Zeller's not the not the not the you know recipe. It's it's not working. I don't like that. It's gotta stop. Enough is enough. I don't know if Jokic missed a single shot when Cody Zeller was defending him. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. He no. Cody Zeller, I think he blocked a shot. I'm pretty sure Cody Zeller blocked a shot or got a whatever though. But he did play on one play. He played good defense on the nice. so Jokic. Shot 92 percent on Zeller. He, he literally bodies Cody Zeller whenever he's being guarded by. But. Justin, thoughts? Can he actually like Pray from a, a basketball perspective <laughs> score more points than the Nuggets in three of the next four games? No. I'm telling you, I, I really don't believe it. I think uh, first, Bam. If you look, if you show me the the box score and you show me Bam's it points, rebounds, and assists, or it blocks, I, I, I'm I'm happy, you know. But then when I start looking at his shot attempts, what seven for twenty one of shooting? Uh, I mean, he knocked down his free throws, which is nice, but inconsistency from the field. Uh, same thing with Jimmy. Jimmy hasn't been. Brandon mentioned it. The Jimmy of that Milwaukee series, if if Miami has any chance to win this series, you need Jimmy from that first round. You need first round Jimmy back. The one that averaged 35 points? Correct. You do need an absolute superhero effort out of your star player to catapult you guys into – I mean, they, they lost 109-94 last night. You, you absolutely need your stars to step up and take over when necessary. And, and uh-huh. I'm saying – he needs to do this from the tip. He needs to set right. the tip early. But 
And that remains to be seen. I, I need to see assertive Jimmy again. He yeah, actually no, no. averaged 38 points on 60% shooting. Yeah, Jimmy, but last night, I don't think Jimmy did miss a couple of easy ones last night. But for in totality, he had a pretty damn good game. Um, it for me, it was more just Bam didn't make his shots in the second half. And if you look at uh, everybody else, um, they just really didn't show up. So uh, that was more just the other's problem. Uh, but yeah, I do agree with you. Jimmy has to play incredibly well uh, that that that's you know obviously not a, a a question here bam needs to make his shots because i do believe um going off of the first two games Bam can pretty much get whatever he wants on Jokic. if i'm going to be honest with you um well eh, yeah i mean they're giving him a bunch of floaters and if you're going to floater to death mm-hmm. nicola Jokic with bam runners and, and mid-range shots and have at it man yeah, he can get Literally anything he wants in the range because the Nuggets the will let him shoot 45% at best or 36% at worst from 16 to 8 feet. Yeah, that's a great offense. No, he's 8 for 14 in the first game. I mean, second game, and he was 13 for 25 in the first game. This postseason is shooting 39% from mid range. I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about against I said against Jokic. I didn't bring up the other guy. I was talking about against Nicole Jokic. It's okay, John. I know you love Jokic, but you know, Bam it, Bam was getting basically whatever he wants. He was missing the shots in game three. Yeah. But maybe maybe I need to get a new TV screen, but that's what I saw. And you Nicole can say he was giving it to him. I saw plenty of times when Nicole Jokic was trying to put a hand in Bam's face. Uh, plenty of damn times, and Bam was making the shots. That's all I. He's also say. missing them too. I mean, he what was I'm missing them. I, I just said he was missing the shots in game, but you you're if not going to go a hundred for a hundred, John. If the Heat are going to beat the yeah. Nuggets, it won't be by Bam mid-range shots. It'll be by Bam the, opening up the floor. If the Heat are going to beat the Nuggets, Bam Adebayo has to average twenty and ten. A hundred percent, he has to. Yeah, sure, but along with Jimmy scoring a lot and doing basically twenty-eight and ten, yes, these things have to happen. So, yes, Bam does have to knock down his mid-range shots for the Miami Heat to win. Like, those shots have to fall. He has to make his layups. He has to make his free throws, which he is very capable. He's one of the best free throw shooters as a big man. Like, these things do have to happen. But alongside that, the others have to play very well. Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry. I'm I'm waiting for a Kyle Lowry game where he gives us at least, like, 15. He gave that in game two. Did he? Yeah, an awesome game, too. I don't know if you fifteen. Did he give us fifteen though? I don't know about that. Yeah, a lot of threes. I don't know. Look, the the end goal here is the end reality that you won't embrace is that Nikola Jokic is just having an all time finals run. Oh my god! And Who you look at this? his numbers this postseason. I made the joke before. I mean, it felt like the storyline after Game Two is, oh well, the Heat obviously made him a score. He only had four assists, and clearly that's the way of defending Nikola Jokic. Well, I don't know what they made Jokic last night because he had thirty one points. He had 10 assists, and he had 20 rebounds, too. So I guess they made him a rebounder. I don't, I don't really know. But to Bam's credit, he's done a phenomenal job all postseason long defending him. Jokic on this finals run has dominated Rudy Gobert. He shot 48%, but he clearly outplayed him. And Carl Anthony Towns. In the second round, he mashed the Suns. And the third, and by the way, there are some fans going to that series saying, well, if Aiton can hold him to 15 points, we'll take it. Well, yeah, he had 35 in your huts. In the third round, he dominates Anthony Davis. And now in the NBA Finals, our guy Nikola Jokic, or my guy Nikola Jokic, because it felt like everybody was ready to diminish his two NBA Finals, or two MVPs before this year's uh, inevitable NBA championship. Um, Nikola Jokic is doing it again to Bam Adebayo. And you look at his, 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 
his numbers this run are while going up against three all defensive bigs, three defensive player of the years, I think Bam is that, 31 points per game, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists on 64% true shooting. And the thing is, he doesn't get to the foul line that much. I think he gets one of the worst whistles of any star in the league. If he got the same whistle as Joel Embiid, and Embiid got the same whistle as Jokic right now, we'd be talking about Joel Embiid really as just a more skilled Julius Randle. And I hate to say that but a bigger, more skilled version that's better defensively at the rim. And I have the question, you know, Nikola Jokic, where does he rank among the last 20, the last 20 years, where's Nikola Jokic's finals run stack up with some memorable moments? I'm going to give you guys some names, some different players who have had great runs, and then you guys are going to let me know which one you think is better. First one up, Steph Curry last year, he averaged 27 points, six rebounds, six assists. It was only two and a half turnovers a game. But the Warriors ran through literally the entire league. Mm. I'm taking Jokic. And, and, and I'll say uh, about Jokic is, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but in the postseason currently right now, he is first in points. He is first in rebounds. He is first in assists. No player in NBA history has ever done that, has led all three categories. So I think uh, – got to start you know putting a little bit more respect and obviously he has to get the job done now and, and get the ring but yeah I, I i gotta say Jokic, i think he's on another level right now that we haven't seen for a very long time we're talking just nba finals run right not the entire playoff run we're talking the entire playoff run the entire playoff run oh. the finals run is you go to the finals so yeah, that's included Okay, I thought no, I, because when you say finals run, I thought you mean like it, what they're doing in the finals. Um, so what what was what was Steph's numbers for the uh, for the entire playoffs last year? Twenty seven, six and six on forty six percent shooting, sixty percent true shooting. Yeah, I would take Jokic's. I think he's having a better run right now. I think Steph last year, I mean, dominating the Celtics in Game Four, taking over versus the Mavericks and Luka. I mean, like they. They beat Luka and Brunson in five games. I think it's actually a lot closer than people think, but Jokic, again, has done this against three D-boys. 2020, Anthony Davis versus Nikola Jokic in 2023. What playoff run is better? AD in the bubble to kind of shout people's memories back because he was the best player in the world at the time, some people. He had averaged 27 points and 10 rebounds, three and a half assists with 2.6 stocks, points, or sorry, steals and blocks while shooting 57% from the field and 67% true shooting. I'm still taking Jokic. Who did um who did Giannis have to go through? Giannis went through um Phoenix. This is AD. Oh, this is AD. oh, we're talking AD. Yeah. Oh, this is I, the bubble run? Yes, yeah, yeah. the bubble AD. Yep. Oh, we went okay, we went further, but um my fault. No, yeah, sorry. Um yeah, um so who did AD, AD ha they went through? Um, Portland in round one. Yep. They beat them in five. The Rockets in round two, and then the Nuggets in round three. And they beat they... all of those teams in five games. Uh, Jokic. Because I would say it was more LeBron, if I'm going to be honest, that year than it was AD. Yeah. Uh, you can make the case. This is tough because Anthony was like, I know I joke about it, he was the best defender in the world and he was a 27 and 10 guy. I mean, I know what Jokic does as a playmaker is far superior, but 
I think it's like neck and neck here, and I just favor Jokic's passing. So twenty-seven so, and ten is nice, but this dude's throwing up thirty, twenty, and ten. I, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't really yeah. think it, it, it matches up. I, I get, I get what you. This is not to discredit Anthony Davis's run at all, because it was probably the best version we've seen of him in the last couple of years. No doubt. Uh, I mean, he was shooting um, thirty-eight percent from three on three attempts as well. So he was also stretching the floor and, and hitting the game winner, especially versus the Nuggets. And I think it was game two or three. So he was hitting the clutch shots. He was unstoppable. I remember PJ Tucker guarding him. I'm like, what are y'all doing here? Come on. You don't have anyone that's bigger than six foot four to guard this man. Um, And maybe, you know what? That's the thing. I think Jokic has had a tougher pack of opponents. So 2021 Giannis, I skipped over him. In 2021, in 2021, Giannis averaged 30 points, 13 assists, uh, 13 rebounds, and five assists while having the memorable 50 point statement in game six versus Suns. I take Giannis on this one. I think, really? uh, yeah, I, I think what Giannis went through to get that team that title, it was a insane run. Went through, went through the Nets, uh, took out the Suns. It, it was, it was just an incredible run by him, man. He dominated, and you know what? To say that he did it without really having a true superstar as his number two, Chris Middleton. I don't know if you guys look at him as a superstar. I don't. No, no. Star, but uh, to do that with really. No one B next to him, I think, is uh, something that stands out, especially because we were coming off of a time where all these super teams were happening. So it was refreshing to see a guy really just take take the lead. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. Um, I would take Giannis's run as well. And now, like, you can bring up the Atlanta Hawks series was kind of more of the, the, the biggest cakewalk of, of both guys when you look at both playoff runs. Um they did sweep Miami in four. Uh, they shot incredibly well that series. That was the Bryn Forbes series. Good um, but that that that's that that run by Giannis, especially in the finals. This I'm, I mean, I'm looking at his numbers: 35, 13, five assists, almost two blocks, a steal a game, only two turnovers. Uh, I know he only made 66% of his three throws, but we know in game six, he made 89.5%, 17 of 19. And he was shooting 62% from the field. I think that was an, I, I, I would take Giannis for that, especially because one, what Justin said about Chris Middleton, I do believe Jamal Murray is better than Chris Middleton. I think Jamal Murray historically will be remembered as much better than Chris Middleton. And, uh, while Giannis isn't giving the same playmaking as Jokic or shooting from uh, the free throw or the three, he was giving insane amount of uh, defensive help. I mean, remember the uh, the block and, and all the uh, stops that Giannis was making. It was it was unbelievable. He was and the lob, of course, by uh, Drew Holiday. Very ballsy in transition. I don't know why he threw that, but it worked out pretty well. Because, I don't know. because yeah. <laughs> maybe this is a wrong take here, but I think Anthony Davis's playoff run was just as good as Giannis the following year. I think they're on the same exact level. Giannis's competition was tougher. Like you said, Brandon, he swiftly dealt with Jimmy Butler. And then afterwards, he outplayed Kevin Durant. But like KD had no one on his side. Trey True. Young got hurt. Giannis missed two games. Yeah. He really only played three and a half in the conference finals. I think it's it's really just – it's tough to say it was just the first and fourth round of the playoffs being the finals. But I feel like what Jokic has done versus, again, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, who many people had favored – I don't agree with them, but clearly they're pretty damn good if people had them beating the Nuggets. 
Uh-huh. And then last round, LeBron, no. Anthony Davis, all people could say is, well, if Brown could stay healthy and the fourth quarter of games, Jokic was the best player on the floor night and day. Yeah. And I felt like that was my biggest takeaway. Hey, look, this is AD in his peak form, right? Defensive player of the year. LeBron had himself like 30 points in the first half of game six. Or sorry, I forgot they got swept. So game four. And Jokic still was outplaying them. So yeah. I would go with Jokic over Giannis here. But I actually think if I'm ranking these these three runs, I would have Giannis at three, Anthony Davis in the bubble at two, and then Jokic at one personally. Yeah, um, I would. Uh, because, I mean. Not even Kawhi. Oh, no, he's Old talking about the last three. Yeah, we haven't gotten oh. to Kawhi. I would just say that AD had, ya- um, not ya- AD had LeBron and Giannis had Chris Middleton. So that would be another caveat in um, Giannis's favor. Caveat, flower. 2019 Kawhi Leonard. Um, there he is. One of the most underappreciated peaks. I think Brennan would agree. Averaged 31 points in the playoffs, nine rebounds, and four assists as the Raptors. Well, they ended what would have been a three-peat. It was the second time Kawhi Leonard's done that in his career after um, one of the greatest shots, I think, in ever in playoff history, Game 7 versus Sixers. And that was what led them to the conference finals where Kawhi and Giannis was able to really shut down the Bucks, and it gave teams a blueprint for how to defend on a Kumpo. I, I got to take, I'll take Kawhi. Uh, it's, it's another thing where I, I can touch on the one man band kind of thing, but it's another to, when you look at the big picture of the story going into the season, Kawhi leaving San Antonio, going to Toronto uh, and, really just transforming that entire franchise. And then really when you look at what the franchise is today, since Kawhi left, his impact was uh, can't, can't, even, can't even really be expressed how much he meant to that team. And they haven't been the same since he left. But He hasn't bring, been the same since he left, to be fair. No, yeah, that's also true. But, you know, also him bringing them their first ever title also to, to that country, it was – it was awesome seeing them rock outside of that. Was it the Air Canada Center? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Just absolute buzzing after he hit that shot against Philly, after they won the title. And and, and granted, yeah, Kevin Durant was on and off the court during that series in, in the NBA Finals. You still had to go to the Warriors regardless. Steph Curry was still there. It wasn't no walk in the park. Uh, I, I'll give my flowers to Kawhi. And I said his run is better. You're mute. All right, Justin. You're yelling at me and stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, that Kawhi run was uh, something special, especially when you look at um, that Philadelphia team that he beat uh, in seven games. I mean, that starting five, just talking that year, not what Ben Simmons became, was ridiculous when you look at the, the talent of the Ben Simmons, JJ, uh, Jimmy, Tobias, and Joel Embiid. That's ridiculous and i think their bench wasn't no slouch either um and then having to go through um milwaukee the past Kawhi in that series averaged 35 a game with jimmy butler guarding him that, that, yeah and that that's that's ridiculous um and then they had to get through milwaukee in the eastern conference finals and they built the wall and Kawhi took it upon himself like john said to guard Giannis and kind of do a lot of the the, the heavy lifting uh, along with the wall behind him and then in the finals, you can say KD went down, Clay went down later in the series. Still had to get the job done, uh, and he got the job done. Damn, these are these are. I would say Kawhi because of 
what he had. So while Toronto was not a slouch of a team, they were a very good team, and Kawhi elevated them greatly, obviously winning a championship. I think what Kawhi had around him was not as good as what Jokic has around him, not taking anything away Ooh, from I Jokic. disagree with that. Man. That Raptors team was excellent. Yeah, no, yeah, they were very good. I just, for me, I would take Denver's, especially the two men, like Justin said, Jamal Murray or Pascal. I'll take Jamal Murray every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Kyle Lowry or Michael Porter Jr., Marcus Saul or Michael Porter, or sorry, Marcus Saul or Aaron Gordon, Danny Green lining it up. Well, actually, mm-hmm. in the playoffs, but he didn't do a regular season. Get Ibaka, Pell, Van Fleet. That, that Raptors team was truly like nine guys deep. But here's the thing. I have to go get Kawhi here because the weight and the storyline of that run, will Kawhi leave, will Kawhi stay, was what took away from the greatness that he was doing on the court. I mean, again, he made Jimmy Butler look like the fourth best player in the floor. And that, considering Jimmy went to the finals the following year, is truly extraordinary. I think that Kawhi run should go down as one of like the top five or seven of all time, wherever you want to put it, because – not only did he get Toronto a championship, but he was able to overcome all the outside noise about his upcoming free agency. And um, he stayed healthy. That's what we saw. Like the best player in the world, which is what he was on both ends of the floor. And that Toronto team, one of the most under, they would have been the Warriors if, if KD were healthy. I'm, I'm crazy for saying that. But I look at that Warriors bench, especially as Andre Iguodala got older, and I'm like, that that Raptors team, yes, the Warriors won game five and they pushed it to six games. They were built to defend Golden State. And at the same time, they had all of the shooting to match them at, as well on the offensive end. Kawhi was, I think at that point, better than KD. And while Steph is Steph, um, the Raptors did as good of a job as any team has. So that's my hot take. I'm no, wrong. I will, I will, I will uh, change up what I said listening uh, to you talk and really thinking about it. In totality, yes, I agree with you now. The Raptors team was better than Denver, really thinking about it. But I guess what more I was getting at was Jamal Murray versus Pascal, the two guy. That's uh, fair. You know what? I might have been pushing the word because KD and Steph is the greatest duo of all time, um, or the best duo of all time. I should say not the greatest. But they were good enough to beat the Warriors if they're healthy, I think. Mm -hmm. So the next one I've got for you guys is LeBron 2018. Um, This was actually his best statistical run where he averaged – uh, I don't know, 34 points, no. nine boards, nine assists. Stop you there. No, because I will not take a guy who's run sorry, ended in a loss, is not going to be better if Jokic ends up winning, obviously. It's not. Can't I, have it. I have to agree. What a run, a phenomenal run. I can't have an L at the end of that. Can't have it. Can't well, have it. Got, LeBron got swept, um, not just – he didn't want to get yeah, yeah. well. He, he should have, which was right, which was going to happen. Everybody knew it was going to happen, it was overmatched and, and everything. But I can't put up that run and be like, Yo, look at this run. And but here's the context like, LeBron carried the second worst defense in the league to the finals. Yeah, I mean, I'm giving them that. It was they were outmatched in the finals, I'm giving them that. But you still ended in a loss, and I can't put that, especially when there are other runs that you can look at. And LeBron won at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, we're comparing a bunch of runs that ended with the uh, the, the cherry on top, and, and then we bring in one that, that ends in a clean sweep. Now, granted, he probably should have won at least one or two of those games, but he, game one. He had no, he had nothing behind him. He yeah, had sure. nothing behind him. Literally, nothing behind him. So I mean, I I, I love LeBron, so I, I would love to lean in that way, but I, you just can't. 
because um, they did lose. Now, if we're talking LeBron when he when he came back three one, then we can have a conversation. But well, I think we're about to have that conversation. Yeah. His only teammate that shot forty five percent in that series was Tristan Thompson. Everybody else shot forty percent or worse, uh, minus Ronnie Hood. So twenty sixteen, LeBron James averaged twenty six points, ten rebounds, and eight assists. The greatest comeback, maybe in the history of all sports in North America, while being one of, if not the best defender on the court at all times. Take LeBron. You you beat the greatest NBA team of all time statistically, um, and you the greatest comeback in NBA history. Also, and like I said, with the Kawhi thing, you have the context behind it. Coming back home and, and winning one for your for your city. It, it was an insurmountable run, and granted, Kawhi Leonard was uh, – not Kawhi. Kyrie Irving played such a big role in it, too, so it wasn't just a LeBron show, but LeBron definitely just put the world on his back. He put Cleveland on his back, that whole city. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll tell you, I co-sign LeBron. I mean, that – what was it, game six? Uh, both guys scoring 41 points? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Go, LeBron? Maybe the greatest finals run – uh, here's the thing. Pick a side. Shout out to them. They actually, we do a blindly ranking finals thing, and they had LeBron without knowing the next two guys put at third, and they're okay with that. I'm like, are, are you serious? Like, this is the best finals run I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. I've watched Kawhi in 2019. I've seen Jokic this year, Kobe Bryant in 2010, LeBron in 2012, where he got his first championship, but nothing is quite at the level of peak LeBron James chasing you in transition. And then on the other end of the floor, running the same exact play over and over again. And in spite of you having Draymond Green and Clay Thompson and Andre Iguodala, who is a finals MVP, you could do nothing to stop him. That, to me, is unbelievable. And I don't know if we're going to see a player at his peak that great again. And there's no that's a He ran through the Raptors in six games, and he was toying with them after sweeping the Hawks and the Pistons in the first two rounds. I forgot the Pistons made the playoffs that year. But I mean, let's not let's not bring up let's not bring up the run to get there because the run to get there really diminishes the value of that because those teams were complete. East was always weak at that time. Yeah, let's just keep it to what the finals run was because that's pretty fair. I already do 2022 stuff. I felt like when you're comparing that to his 2015 playoff run, um, it was maybe a little bit better. So 2015 stuff, 28 points. 45% 45% shooting from the field, six assists. Would you guys still go with Jokic there? I would. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the, the last one. Shame. He didn't get the finals MVP, but. Yeah, because he was. The last player I have for you guys is 2010 Kobe Bryant. 29 points, six rebounds, five and a half assists. Obviously came back from down three, two versus Celtics in game seven. I've got it right behind me. The poster of him finally gained sweet victory on Boston. What round do you take here? Kobe. Because if I'm not mistaken, who'd they have to go through, John, to get there? They had to go through the Spurs? Let me pull it up real quick to make. They have to go through the Spurs and the Grizzlies? I think. They definitely had to go through one of them. Those Grizzlies. Uh, actually, you're thinking of. Um... Was that his. Well, no, he actually never played the Spurs in 2009, 2010. Oh. 2010. He beat OKC in the first round. Ah, that was really okay. He swept the Thunder in the second, and then he beat Steve Nash in his last playoff run in the third. Oh. 
So he didn't play interesting. I think I, Maybe I, I, I'm I take Kobe. Yeah, I would take Kobe. But I was I guess I was thinking of the other run with uh, Kobe. That might have been when Boston won the championship and Kobe had to get through uh but yeah, I take Kobe. Uh, you yeah, think about the people right. that you're playing right. on the other side. You have, you got three Hall of Famers on the other end that you gotta go up against. And granted they're you know, in their mid mid thirties at the time, but they were still they got to the finals for a reason, you know. They just they had uh Rajon Rondo, Rashid Wallace, uh Tony Allen. They had probably one of the best teams of yeah. all time. He was I don't want to hear, yeah, yeah, that they got old. Uh, that's like the same narrative as Jordan when he beat the Pistons. Like, the Pistons were literally in the finals the year prior. I don't want to fucking hear they got old. So, Nikola Jokic is having an all-time finals run? He's having a story. I would say, I'd probably say it's going to, I mean, if again, if we wins, I think it'll be top 10 probably all time. Especially what numbers he's going to put up because he's putting up insane. I mean, last night. I was, yeah. Last night was was just incredible what he did. But if he continued, which I expect him to continue putting up these type of numbers, it's going to be hmm. ridiculous. I mean, anytime everybody says this, right? Anytime you hear a guy breaks Wilt Chamberlain's record, a, a record that Wilt Chamberlain held, you go, yeah, there's okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> every night, and he hasn't even seen the carrot. Yeah, yeah I, I would say you know, Jokic is definitely uh, implanting himself as one of the greatest postseason performers of all time. No, it, no. Not just even with this run. It's he's been good in the postseason all this time. Just stacked the numbers all together. But this is just the beginning of what you know what could possibly be. And I would float the question right back to you guys. Um, this Denver team is so good, they can repeat if they win this one. They have the roster to do it. I think well, uh, I just want to say I, I want to say um it was very, like what John just said, and then I'll answer your question. John said, uh, you know, it doesn't even care after the game putting up these numbers. It's very Tom Brady-esque in terms of the superstar talent and not really caring what he does on the field as long as they get the W. Uh, but I was like talking about Duncan, but oh, I Duncan 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 I'm sorry. I didn't mention you guys Dirk Nowitzki's 2011 playoff run where he swept Kobe the following year. And he also beat the big three Miami Heat. I'm going to pull up the, the baseline numbers. Would you guys take 2011 Dirk or 2023? I, I don't need the numbers to know that I would take Dirk. I agree. I mean, Dirk's playoff run, I think that is like top seven. I know the finals wasn't his best series. But again, that Lakers team had aspirations to win a championship with the same exact roster. And Dirk, by the way, the following rounds dominated Kevin Durant and the Thunder. I remember he had a game. Devin Booker this playoffs had a 80% shooting game with 40 points. Dirk did that, missing like two shots versus Kevin Durant. I mean, that, that finals run to me is above Nikola Jokic, but I do think Jokic is close to that because as a playmaker and rebounder, he is notably better. Yeah, never forgive LeBron for that series. Um, you know that but... LeBron actually, like, he was just really bad in the clutch, but... No, he was... Terrible throughout. I think he, what did he average? Didn't he average like 18 points, if I'm not mistaken, for the entire series? Yeah, I don't, in the, yeah. Okay, stop it. Um, I mean, they were much better when he was in the floor. And let me pull it up if I can. Keep okay, going. but John, you're not going to sit here and goddamn argue that LeBron freaking James averaging 18 points for a six game series with a big three is not him coming up insanely small. Oh, if yeah, he just plays at LeBron level, just LeBron level, we win that series because Dwayne Wade was doing what he's doing. 
Right. You're not going to give me that, John. Stop it. All right. No, I agree. I'm just saying there is a, a book that Ben Taylor wrote, a thinking basketball talking about that run by LeBron James and how in the finals, while he was very bad for his standards, when he was on the floor, the heat were notably better. It was just in the clutch minutes. He was like looking to defer to everybody and in his head. He let all the people get to him. And that's the first time we've seen LeBron in human form. The only yeah, time it feels and that's like. It, and, that, and that will always be a the, the biggest – that's the biggest black mark in a superstar's career ever, ever. Um, but talking about Jokic, in terms of the repeating Justin asked, I mean, they're going to be here for years to come. This team is insane. I'm pretty sure the Aaron Gordon, Jokic, Jamal, and MPJ are all in their 20s, right? Um, they're all pretty much locked up. If I'm not mistaken, Aaron Gordon might be up the quickest, but yeah, this team's going to be here for years to come and they're going to be a very live threat. They're probably going to be favorites, uh, going to next year. I mean, I don't even know if I want to say that because Vegas might, you know, play some games, especially if the Lakers get somebody, but I, I think a lot of people are going to pick the, uh, I, I know, on my screen right now, to my left, this guy, John Tortorelli, is going to be probably picking the Nuggets to repeat next year. Yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy we're having the discussion after game three because the Heat could have I'm won not trying game. to have it. Justin asked the question. I'm playing along with him, and I'm Justin, being respectful, but I'm just playing along with him. The thing that sucks is that the Nuggets are probably going to lose one of, if not the best contract in the NBA this year, which is Bruce Brown for $6 million. He's got a player option. He can get 16 probably. Uh, to answer that question, I, I think they'll be the favorites again because – you look at the Western Conference, everybody was so inconsistent. The Lakers are old. You've got two injury-prone stars. Uh, one of them is 39 years old. You look at the Warriors, there's so many questions. But the Nuggets, you have the most clarity. You have a proven playoff coach at this point. But then you have a, a rookie in Christian Brown who, who's been awesome in the regular season. And now in the finals, he's playing well, too. So if you're going to lose Bruce or replace him a Christian, hell, maybe if you win the championship this year, some free agents are more attracted to go to Denver and you can get yourself some, you know, the David West of the world going to the Warriors, and, and now you fill out your bench that way. So, yeah, I think the Nuggets and the Celtics next year's two of the most clear teams. They'll be the uh, two odds on the fairs to win and repeat next year for the Nuggets case. If they won. I agree. Uh, speaking of a guy that probably won't be repeating anytime soon, you know what, Brandon? I was going to pull up the clip before the show, but I'm going to spare you one. You were right. Chris Paul didn't get benched in the playoffs. He instead got waved by the Suns. After the season ended, um, this is a shocking move because it's not yet official. But when Chris Paul signed an extension with the Suns in the offseason of 2021, there was a very important non-guarantee in the last year of the contract. The third year, which will be 2024 next year, is only partially guaranteed. So unless the Suns decide they want to stretch Chris Paul's contract, kind of a uh, Lou Dane style, they're going to be paying him $15 million next year to not play for them. Um, what's going on here at the Suns? Is it smart to make this move given um, this will actually put them under the tax apron so they can then make a sign trade and maybe they can turn DeAndre into a Fred Van Vliet maybe for the Raptors. Does this move make sense or is it uh, is it something that, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. Uh, I'm not a fan for the simple fact that I don't think Chris Paul is a washed up guard. I don't really see him as a washed up player that people assumed watching his whole season. So I think uh, the Suns really did themselves the injustice here by letting him walk. That's an all-time player. They, they, there's a reason the guy is called Point God. That's that's 
a hell of a lot of praise for for a, a human being. So to let that guy walk and, and put the franchise on the shoulders of Devin Booker and KD, that's cool, fine. But now you're missing that facilitator. You need one. Who's that going to be? Is it Van Vliet, who who I've been critical of with his, his shooting percentages? He's not a consistent shooter. So I don't know. Is that what you need? No, probably not. If you would have kept CP and found a way to uh, just find some more shooters that, that can space the floor out for KD and Devin Booker to cook, then it's a different story. But you're, you're getting rid of one of the greatest NBA players of all time uh, for nothing. For absolutely nothing. And then you know what? Some other team is going to reap the benefits of it. And I, I, I really pray that he goes to a team in the Western Conference and knocks the Suns out of the playoff <laughs> just because I'm like, yo, you, this guy is the, is the reason you got to an NBA Finals yeah. in the first place. Yeah. You're not where you are yeah. today without CP. Yeah. He changed the whole direction of your franchise. And I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of it. I still believe in CP and whatever team he goes to next is going to be very lucky. Austin, he did it. He, he changed the outlook of, of three different franchises, uh, Houston, OKC, and then uh, Phoenix now. Well, don't um, forget what he did in New Orleans. Yeah. But then once they, once he, he left, yeah, they, they, they completely fell off um, and they didn't do a very good job of surrounding him with uh, the necessary talent uh, to actually compete. And then, Obviously, the NBA office screwed him out of possibly winning a championship with Kobe Bryant, which was just utter bullshit. Um, and then yeah, the Los Angeles, yeah, and then the Los Angeles Clippers just—I've always said Blake Griffin was never built to be a that like number true number two on a championship team. Um, but yeah, I, again, first I don't want to because Justin's you know going a little hard in the paint on Phoenix. It's not official, official yet. Uh, they're still working things out. There's a bunch of rumors that apparently Chris Paul, his agent, and uh, the the Suns are talking about, you know, extending the contract over a couple of years, bringing him back in. Um, Chris Paul said, uh, apparently, the report said that they want to get it done as soon as possible before that June 28th uh, deadline because he wants to at least have time to talk to other teams and stuff like that. Uh, so I would imagine we're probably going to find out within the next week. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the move. I know John is probably going to be like, oh, I love the move. You know, Chris Paul, he was, was uh, go put in Damian Lee and Cameron Payne over not Chris Paul, time. right? But I will just say this. Um, Kevin Durant Devin Booker want Chris Paul. Chris Paul wants to play with them. Um, are there better options out there for Chris Paul? A 100%. I think Milwaukee's a better option. I think Boston's a great option. I think the Lakers are a great option. I think the Clippers are a great option. Um, I think there are a lot of great options out there for Chris Paul. And I think Chris Paul would be valued by all those teams I just mentioned and probably a lot more. Um, so if the Suns end up just losing him for nothing, I know the, the Johns of the world will be saying it was a win for the Phoenix and me and Justin will probably be saying it's not the biggest win unless they go out and replace him with a, as good of, or a better player, which is going to be hard to do. And it's also going to be a win for Chris Paul because I think he'll probably be in a better situation. Oh, look, I don't, I don't know why. Um, I don't know why you hate Chris Paul. That's what I don't understand. All right, all these shots you be taking at him. Like, what did he do to you, John? Uh, okay, well, <laughs> you know what? 
just okay. <laughs> the three of us ranked point guards all time a year ago, and I had him third all time. So clearly, I'm not the, the biggest Chris Paul hater. I'm not a buffoon who has an outsized top five point guards because, look, he, he clears John Stockton in my eyes in the playoffs. And the same goes, I think he's better than Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, those MVPs. Even still, Chris Paul should have won MVP in 2008. He's better. Like, here's another thing, too. Uh, I'm, granted, you mentioned the Clippers before. Chris Paul historically clears Russell Westbrook. I know Russell at his peak won an NBA MVP, but Chris Paul was better at his peak, and the playoffs he actually performs at a higher level in the regular season. Russell Westbrook always got worse in the playoffs. I'm not a Chris Paul hater, but I am an honest person, and at 38 years old, he can't run. He's not a volume shooter, right? So the Suns, when they lost him, they got a little bit more offensively from campaign. So the idea here is you want to get a younger guard that ideally gives you more. Now, Chris Paul still is one of the best playmakers, and he could play to 45 years old because of how good he is running a ball screen and then coming off and diamond up a shooter or the big. For that reason, I think Chris Paul in this stage of his career is a lot like Kyle Lowry in Miami. He can be a table setter off the bench that's really good mentoring younger guards, but he's not a guy that should play 70 games a season. And it's funny to me because when he got traded from Houston to OKC, he was so pissed off and so spiteful. He's like, you know what? I'm going to play every single game. And yeah, Chris, you were available for every single game. But in the playoffs, every single year, you weren't available in June. And or you were playing with a shoulder injury and you couldn't even shoot in the first round versus the Lakers. Some of it is not in his control. But I think overall, at this point, he's a 20 to 25 minute per game guy. But he's not so many pencil as your starter, right? The Suns are looking to change this team. They're looking to get younger more versatile and bigger. And having a six-foot guard that can't move is just its a liability in some ways. So not a Chris Paul hater, but I think he would be great in San Antonio. I would love him a victor. I think they need a point guard big time. And if the Boston Celtics trade Jalen Brown this offseason and they get themselves a Scoot Henderson, I think he would be an even better mentor for a younger guard that has uh, true elite traits. At the end of the day, though, I don't know what the hell the Suns are doing. I don't know why you would make this move other than getting the opportunity to make a signing trade because you wouldn't be able to if you were the second tax apron from what I understand. And if you're going to get a Fred Van Vliet for DeAndre Ayton and it took waving Chris Paul to make that happen, then it makes some sense to me. But at the end of the day, I think losing Chris Paul is a huge loss for a Suns team that has very little resources. The only exceptions they have are $5 million mid-level, a $4 million BA, and a trade exception for $5 million. Everything else is a first-round pick to the Nets or a first-round pick they can't trade due to the Steph funeral. So no matter how you want to spin this for Phoenix, look, I feel bad for Arizona fans. You wave DeAndre Hopkins because no one wanted to trade for a salary, and now you got to let go of Chris Paul because nobody wants to take on Chris Paul's salary and give you something in return. I think you could trade Chris, right? But you'd have to give up a pick if another team's doing you a favor. And no one's doing the Suns a favor by taking on $30 million if it's fully guaranteed for a year. So at the end of the day, but brighter days are ahead in Arizona. And I think for the Suns, this is just a move that you're not going to be able to analyze it up until they make some moves in free agency and you have the, the yeah. understanding long-term. Yeah. I, yeah. So I guess, no, I don't disagree with anything you said, John. Um I spoke straight facts. I hope you, you don't disagree. Uh, yeah, straight, I mean, straight facts. No cap. No cap uh, hinted at it at all. It, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, just with the Suns, it, th- now they've got Frank Vogel in the mix. So, what I want to ask you, John, basically is this. Are you – because I feel like you're probably the lowest on the Suns, maybe. Um, 
Where do you have them ranking next year? How do they look with Frank Vogel and that right now? Like, are they still top five in the West? Oh, I love the Frank Vogel hire, actually. And I think they are top four in the West. Now, here's the thing. When you fire Monty Williams and you replace him with Frank Vogel, it's like, well, you replace one good head coach with another good head coach. You upgrade. But the Suns have the most skilled duo, the most accomplished duo, because Kevin Durant's number two. You also are a team that a lot of people want to go to now because you have an owner that really wants to win, Mm -hmm. a general manager that players really like, and a head coach that's won a championship. So a lot of players, like think of the Lakers, they get Lonnie Walker, Malik Monk, guys are more willing to come to LA, are going to start to look at Phoenix as a free agent attraction for the first time in over 25 years, in a long-ass time. And for that very reason, I think this offseason – they're going to rebuild this roster with shooters. And when they trade DeAndre Ayton, which this move signals to me, they're going to move off of DA as well. They're going to get a couple of role players that can switch defensively and add a little bit more to this defense because KD and D-Book are good defenders, but they can't be your primary wings. So what if you can get kind of like the Nets this last year, a couple of Swiss Army Knife players? Nicholas Claxton broke out. Well, the Suns had themselves a miniature version of Nick Claxton, Darius Beasley, who's a free agent. Very good defender, great athlete, six foot eight. He can play the small ball five, but then also at the same time, you can extend Jacques Londale. You can get back JaVale McGee if you trade DeAndre to, let's say, Dallas. And then you add in a couple of guys that fill out the roster. Uh, Atori Craig, I think of, if they can extend him, they'd have to use one of their two exceptions so they'd have none left over. But I also think uh, a guy that I'm really pinpointing to Phoenix is uh, Kobe White. I know you're a big fan of him a bigger guard that can shoot it, but also has athleticism. I, I think by getting younger this offseason, they're going to build the best team they've had in, in about two years. But if you have the bench and you have the top 10 players in number two, and Devin Booker plays as well as he did the end this year, there's no two ways about it. Not only are the Suns the top four team in the West, I think you can make the case the Suns next year are the second team favored to come out the Western Conference right after the Nuggets because you have Devin Booker, at 27 years old, just entering his peak. And I think they're going to build a lot defensively. And you know the offense is going to be pretty good here. You agree with that? Okay. Number two. Yeah, that, that's pretty high. Uh, that's pretty high. But I, I don't know. It's too, too soon for me to, to hop on that train for Phoenix after what I said. I feel like you would be the one to hop on the train, though, Justin. No, no, I know because I, I love Kevin Durant. I love Devin Booker. But that's just two players. So – it's really – we'll see how the offseason shakes out and, you know, right. if the roster well, – Apparently, there, Darren be there. Darren agrees with you, John. He said they're finishing second in the West. Well, I have a question for you guys. If that's too high, what team is above them? The Lakers? Yes. Grizzlies? Yeah, I like yeah. the Lakers. Grizzly. I can't say that without knowing the um, suspension. Yeah, Jaws going to miss some time. Um, if if Jaws on the floor, I like Austin around toys. Yeah, he's probably going to miss a lot of time. Um, the Clippers. Clippers. I'm, I'm still a big Clippers fan. Above um, the, the Suns? Yeah, right now currently ball. constructed. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I, again, I agree with Judd. See, John, what you're going with, and I agree with you, is they're going to make moves. And I agree they're going to make moves. I just need to see the moves they make. Right, because right now it's a very thin team. I do believe Aiton's gone. Uh, obviously, we're going to see what happens with Chris Paul. Uh, if they, if you tell me they're adding Colby White, I'm a huge Colby White fan. Uh, I like that move a lot, but I need to see the moves happen first. 
So that's why I would take the Clippers and, and like the Lakers over them now because I kind of know what I'm getting at least with them. But for yeah. me, the, the question is like, so as currently constructed looking at the Suns, I, I look at teams sort of like like the Dallas Mavericks where if yeah. you surround Luka properly this offseason, uh, Kyrie was a, a failed experiment. Yeah. If if he's surrounded properly, this was a team that was just in the Western Conference Finals a year before. Yes, sir. You know, this is a team we had high expectations for. So uh, the Suns are the, the West is a very competitive conference. So it, it's tough for me to just say Suns number two when a full offseason of Braun hopefully being healthy, uh, a revamped LA Lakers roster, teams on the rise like the Pelicans, if Zion is healthy, they were a, a first team. <laughs> so the, the teams that are currently constructed that are ready that were on the bottom that are better than what the suns have currently so i would if you if you see the pelicans right now john healthy zion on the floor obviously big if you're taking the pels over phoenix i would up until zion gets hurt so sure but but yeah i'm playing uh, it's a hypothetical game but until it ends no dude did you guys did you guys see what's going on with zion right now yeah, man, I I didn't watch the video you sent. <laughs> you guys got to read the tweets. I sent it in the group chat. I took a screen record and I went through the tweets that were Zion's messing around with some uh, you know dirty things over there, and he's getting put on blast right now. So he's got a lot more to worry about than uh, just getting back on the court. Um, RJ Barrett's the only normal one out the draft. Safest pick ever. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I the, the Suns, yeah, being that high. I would take the Suns over Dallas, though. I, I would do that because I, I just don't like the direction the Dallas Mavericks are going right now. I like Frank Vogel more than Kidd, and I like the Suns GM more than Nico Harrison, who kind of ruined the roster the last year. Yeah, I, I know, Justin, they were in the conference finals a year ago, and then they had Kyrie, What's and they that? added Jay You're big on Sacramento, John. You would You would take Phoenix over Sacramento right now for next year? I would because the Canes were the healthiest. They had the healthiest duo of any team this year in the regular season. Domas and De'Aaron played almost every single game. Now, Domas had a finger injury, but that doesn't matter. They were available every night. And I think the Canes next year might take a slight regression in terms of the, where they stand because a 48-win third seed is not that typical in, in the Western Conference. And I think oh. the Canes this year were propped up because of the excitement but that does not mean to me they're better than a Phoenix or a Lakers, personally. Here's an interesting question for you guys. Warriors. <laughs> um, I've kind of not even mentioned them yet. The, the yeah, Warriors are the big the bad Warriors. wolf. Here's an interesting question for you guys, because there's a couple of young teams, right? You got Minnesota, you got OKC, you got New Orleans, you got Portland, right? Out of those four teams I just named, which one do you think makes the biggest jump next year? Okay. Minnesota. OKC, New Orleans, or Portland? That's a good question. I think OK. I think OKC. Yeah. OKC. I think the, the Timberwolves are a great option because hell, number one seed, John. It's a good fight. Yeah, I have them as number one seed. <laughs> so now, but OKC, but OKC is adding Chet Holmgren, and they've already got the youngest team in the league with a good. I mean, they got a great coach, a great a great defensive ceiling. Yeah, the, the Thunder next year can easily jump up into the top four i think they could be a, a a sacramento of this year where it's more expected and they have shea who's leveling up more and more i remember saying shea can be a top 10 player because he already is on that level the moment you get chet in there there's not going to be a 
thing you can target, and their defense will be so good that they're going to churn out regular season wins. I think I, I think Memphis is going to take a drop, and if I'm looking at it, I do think OKC is primed to take Memphis's spot uh, in, in that top contest because I especially do think because we all know OKC is going to prioritize the regular season over the Phoenix Clippers, Golden State and Lakers. We know they prioritize more of the playoffs than the regular season. So I could, I could see OKC taking a, a pretty big jump, especially I know John's really high on Shea. Justin loves Shea. I'm a big fan of Shea. Um, you know, we got the kid Giddy in there. Chet coming back. We're going to see what he is. Uh, hopefully. What was the injury again? Was it ACL or? It was a Liz Frank. Liz Frank. Middle All right, let's move on. We didn't touch on this, but this popped up. I didn't want to – it wasn't the right time, but we have some breaking news in the NFL. Dalvin? Dalvin Cook has officially been released by the Minnesota Vikings. Yep. A lot of rumors he's going to Miami. Well, we had something in the notes as far as NFL stuff, right? Oh, you want to uh, – yeah, we are. I thought we were about to just talk quickly about Dalvin Cook like for five minutes. Yeah. I don't know if the Dolphins would sign him because they have a million running backs. Jeff that's Wilson, been the, that's been the rumor. If they do get him, though. So where where do you guys think Dalvin Cook? Do you guys have any teams that you think Dalvin Cook's ending up in? I love him in New York. Get him on the Jets. You got Bruce Hall come back from a torn ACL. What a running back duo that would be. If Michael Why, Carter and Israel Abinacando, they took out it. That would be a stacked running back room that would take away carries from Dalvin, but – I think you see with the running back when they get to their seventh year, which is where Dalvin's going, that had the injury history in his first two years in the league. You don't want to be a bell cow running back in that second mm-hmm. stage. You want to split the carries. Think Zeke. Like Zeke masqueraded as back that wasn't washed for two years because he was, but he was splitting time with Tony Pollard. He brought so much explosiveness. Yeah. Hey, I think for Dalvin, he's, he's better than what Zeke was the last two years, but it would be a great opportunity for him this year because Bruce is coming off a torn ACL. And while he's expected to play week one, which is insane, he's probably not going to be up to full speed. So you have Brees the first six weeks taking the bigger load. And then in time, he transitions into more of a complimentary back. So, hey, John. I, got yeah, keep, yeah, I just want to like, keep bringing him over to the AFC East. All right? how, you know, how about he goes to the AFC North and goes play for Baltimore? All right? How about that? How would you like that? How would you like that? All right? Why don't you come out of the AFC East? All right? Go ahead, Justin. I, I could see him. Uh, what about Buffalo? Him teaming up. Come on, man. What the hell, dude? I know, I know. What are you doing? I love him, Buffalo. The new Madden cover boy, Josh Allen. What the hell is this? Yep, his brother's on the squad. It's more appealing now there. I mean, I guess the the weather isn't so Oh, my God. I feel betrayed right now. I feel like a knife just got put in my back, Justin. What are you doing? Tell me. I'm I'm just – I'm not doing it based on what I want to see. I'm saying – what I can possibly you never be even happening. say it though. Like no. just keep that one bottled up in your brain. All right. Don't even like say it though. Like, then I play New England. Him yeah, and Ramondre Stevenson. We know that's not gonna happen. We know yeah, that exactly. So there we go. I think Buffalo could be a, a place. He plays with his brother, plays with Josh uh, Allen. Yeah, They've been looking for that real number one. And uh I don't think they were expecting that true, true number one to be on the market. Yep. It's so interesting. These run I mean it's crazy. You know, it's more I think of a Justin. I really do like his fit in Miami with, with Mike McDaniel. I think it would be great. Yeah. It'd be so great, dude. Awesome. Yeah, Love if, it. if he finds himself in Miami, that wide receiver running back duo is just ridiculous. 
That that would instantly be, at least on paper, the best offense in the AFC. Better than Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mean, I, I'm not a Joe Mixon guy. Never been. Never, never. That's a good take, Justin. That's a great take. It's <laughs> a great take. Um, yeah, I think the Bengals offense obviously is the better quarterback, but when Tua is healthy, and yeah, he's going to be healthy week one. I, I mean, the Dolphins, they have a machine. That was their first year with a, a rookie head coach, and they dominated right off the rip week two. So you add in Delvin Cook, he still got an extra year, even if he lost the fourth or fifth. Yeah, I mean, no one's going to utilize that personnel better than McDaniel. And then the defense will get more turnovers and more stops, which will give the offense more opportunities to score a better field position. So I think the Dolphins next year could be the best offense in the football one to us on the floor. You know, you know where uh, you know where I would like them to go? I like them to go to the Los Angeles Rams. I don't. All right. Well, you know what? Like, just work for yourself. How about everybody just, you know, like just shit on Brandon, right? Let's move on for a different topic. Okay. Why do you like him in Los Angeles? Because Sean McVay is an elite play caller. They got right. no running backs. Uh, it would help out Matthew Stafford a lot so he doesn't have to take as many hits as he did last year. The offensive line isn't as good, and it's great to have a good running game. When you don't have a good offensive line, it helps the boys get happy when they get to get in the dirt and hit. The, uh, the defensive line in their mouth uh, helps out Cooper Cup a lot. It just freaking – I don't know. Maybe tell me – stop me when I'm wrong. Well, yeah, they have a couple of stars, but they're not going to go anywhere in the NFC West. And I think outside of Sean McVay leading this team to six or seven wins, it's maybe the worst roster in football after their three stars. Yeah. Sorry. Surprise you next year, this year. They're going to surprise me. When they're going to surprise me with 11 wins. Right. Gonna, this is a five win team in Stafford's they're off the field. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. Okay. Well, yeah. thank you to Matthew Stafford staying healthy. You don't even know. You don't even know. All right. We're next topic. Uh, Justin. So me and John, when you were gone, ranked our NFC quarterbacks mm-hmm. and you weren't here. So we're, instead of moving on to AFC, we're going to let you rank the NFC quarterbacks right now. For us, and we're gonna, you know, critique it and then see how it compares to ours. So I'm gonna give you the list, right? Okay. Um, of the NFC quarterbacks. So you got Stafford, Prescott, Hertz, Carr, Cousins, Murray, Goff, Geno, Baker, Purdy, Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, Jordan Love. Desmond Ritter, Bryce Young, and Sam Howell. Oh my gosh, this is a horrible list. Yeah, well, I mean, when we get to the AFC, you're going to see how packed the freaking top 10 is because that's where all the quarterbacks are. (laughs) Holy crap, man. I'm listening to this list just completely forgot. I'm like, when is somebody uh, really appealing going to pop up here? (laughs) Wow. So I'm curious, who do you have one? Because I'm now leaning Jalen Hurts. Uh, so me, I had Matthew Stafford as number one because I believe he's going to be healthy going into next year. Don't give me that smile. Stop it. <laughs> I believe he's going to be healthy next year, and I'm a big Matthew Stafford believer. Okay. Uh, and John, I believe – John had Jalen Hurts as his number one quarterback. Clearly. Yeah, I I, th- I think you have to go Jalen Hurts there. So I would go Jalen Hurts one. Because I just didn't. Yeah, I, I go Jalen Hurts <laughs> one. Um, Dak Prescott two. Dak, okay. okay. That's who I had number two, Dak. John um, a little lower. Man, number three, I guess yeah, that's yeah. where you got to go, Matt Stafford, just because of what he has okay. done. I have okay. enough respect for him there, so I'll go Matt Stafford three. Okay. 
Number four, I'll go Kirk Cousins. Okay. Man, you guys are both supreme Kyler Murray haters. And number – there you go. Last but not least. Number five, Kyler? Jones. Oh, di- no, I'm not okay. messing with you guys. I'm okay. sorry. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Go <laughs> Kyler Murray for number five. Who? Kyler Murray five? Yeah, I'll go Kyler five. Kyler, <laughs> Kyler, Kyler, wait, Kyler, Kyler, Kyler over Derek Carr? Yeah. Kyler over Jared Goff? Yeah. Okay, so Kyler five. Who's six? Oh, this is top ten. Okay. Uh, this is all the quarterbacks. We're doing top five. Um, we got Derek Carr, Goff. Gino, Baker, Purdy, jo- Daniel Jones, Fields. Okay, I'll go Goff. Goff six. six. You're going to probably say uh, something about this one. I'll go Derek Carr seven. No, I got Derek Carr number four. Okay, I got Derek Carr seven. I got Daniel Jones eight. That's pretty high for me. Okay. Gino Wait, nine. Eight. Okay. Gino nine. nine. Gino you, got, you got Baker, Brock Purdy, Fields, Love, Ritter, Young, Howell. Would I be crazy if I say uh, Brock Purdy? I got Brock at 10. Yeah, I'll, I'll go Brock at 10. Okay. Oh, we're keeping going. Okay, I thought this was top 10. All right, keep going. Okay, after after Brock, I go Baker. Okay. Um, Who am I missing? You got Fields. Fields, uh, Fields, Fields next. Yeah, okay. no, awesome second half. You got Love, Ritter, Young, and Howell. Oh. I'll take Ritter, Young, Howell. And love is last. Love is last. Damn, where did you put Baker? Love, 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 love over Howell. Yeah, Baker at eleven. Where did you put Baker? Justin had Baker at eleven. I, I had Baker at eight. Oh, she had Purdy at ten. Yeah, I don't have paper in front of me, so but I'll, I go, love, I'll go love over Howell. Okay. Okay. Well, let me tell you guys something. Bryce Young will be a top five quarterback in the NFC this year. All right. So, Justin, your top five list is Jalen Hurts one. Do you want to do it? Jalen Hurts one, Dak Prescott two, Matthew Stafford three. Who did I put at four? Kirk uh, at four. Kirk, Kirk at four. four, and Kyler Murray five. Man, NFC. That I didn't even have fun doing lacking. that. That it's was lacking. so nasty. It was lacking. It's very much lacking. Where do you have Gino? Gino's nine. Who is eight? Daniel Jones. That was a big one. And then Purdy was ten? Mm-hmm. Purdy was ten. All right. Well, yeah. This is how very- different how different was my list uh, compared to you guys? So I mean my list was Stafford at one, Dak at two, Jalen at three. Derek Carr at four, Kirk at five, six at uh, six was Kyler Murray, seven was Jared Goff, eight was Baker Mayfield, nine Geno Smith, ten Brock Purdy, eleven Daniel Jones, twelve Justin Fields, thirteen Jordan Love, fourteen Ritter, fifteen Young, and sixteen Sam Howell. Where would you rank Justin Fields in this group, Justin? I think I had him twelve. You had him at twelve, same as me. Yeah. Wow. I mean, is that is that really crazy? The guy that uh, he doesn't. I think John up. had him higher. 
got to see that evolution of him from in, on the passing side. It's fantastic that he can run the ball, but I want to see him throw. Yeah, well, everybody's right. just expecting him to, you know, make the same jumps that all these other guys made, which, you know. Yeah, I think you're comparing him to, like, Baker Mayfield's pass in the last two years, and it's not not on different levels, and he's the best rusher in maybe all football, Lamar. So I think that gives him such a high floor. My list, if you're curious, which probably not. Oh, yeah. On, Jalen Hurts at one, Kyler at two. I think he's really underrated. Three, Matthew Stafford. Four, Dak. Five, Goff. Six, Cousins. Seven, Gino. Eight, Derek Carr. Nine, Bryce Young, who will definitely pass him up this year. Ten, Justin Fields. Eleven, Daniel Jones. Twelve, Brock. Thirteen, Jay Love. Fourteen, Baker. Fifteen, Hal. And then Desmond Ritter at last. I can't believe you have Daniel Jones that low. I think it's pretty reasonable. I mean, after the, after the season he had. And we're, we're anticipating jumps here. We're anticipating jumps. I'm so you're telling me that he's going to regress. if he's I not. actually am going to go on record right now that the Giants are going to regress this season. Dan Jones is going to take a step back. Well, it's hard to take a step back from 15 touchdowns. But, yeah, to your point, I think their schedule is one of the hardest in the league, so they're not going to win uh, nine games or ten games to me this year. I think, I think really it comes down to Brian Dable being an excellent play caller that masked yeah. the giant shortcomings and this like very simplified offense for DJ and DJ is a good player, but all of these quarterbacks are pretty all right to good. Um, also look Brock, at his division, Justin, like he's the giants are clearly at least the third best team in their own division. Just fine, and yeah. I can argue, I know I did it last year and it, Bit me in the ass. I could argue the Commanders are also a better team. I, I, I would, I would say the Giants and the Cowboys aren't. The Cowboys aren't that much better than the Giants. Get the hell oh, out of here! You're nothing. smoking grass. Yeah, you didn't shake you because no, no, that's, not, that's not even that crazy. The Cowboys I don't how crazy on. that is to say. Hold on. We see so much inconsistency from Dak Prescott. This is going to be a changed team. Kellen Moore's gone. Mike McCarthy's calling plays. So this is not the same Cowboys group. It's it's, it's not, a little different. But it's got but Dude. it's got it added CD Lamb has proven himself. They got Brandon Cooks, a real speedster who can have a thousand yards with David freaking Mills as his quarterback. All right. Dak Prescott's he's next receiver. He's next. That's what yep. they needed. You got you got um um uh Tony Pollard coming off his injury. Hopefully he's better. Hopefully you still got a very good uh, offensive line. Your defense is still going to be top five. You just added Stephon Gilmore with Trevon yeah. Diggs now. You got Micah freaking Parsons, Leighton Vandresh, who's playing inspired ball. What do you mean? Just let me ask you a question. I, yeah, ask me. What were the Cowboys' three biggest needs last season? Uh, they needed a, a, another corner aside. Stephon Gilmore. They got that. Okay, they needed another receiver next to C.D. Lamb. An next receiver, Brandon Cooks, and then the third issue was their quarterback. No, it was not. Yeah, it was it was their defensive part, tackle. And then, yes, it no. was defensive tackle. It was running. And they couldn't deal. stop the run. Uh, they I'm got Maxi, yeah, and, and their quarterback also kept throwing it to the other. He team. was there. He was coming off an part injury, man. And what do they do? They got Mazi Smith out of Michigan, who is going to help them up front. So you did all of that, and Dak will be healthy week one. Look, this is going from a a Dak skeptic and a Mike McCarthy skeptic. They are the second best roster in the NFC and their division. The, and at the, the John, they are a top five offense with Kellen Moore, right? They yeah. get rid of him. He's gone. 
This is but not they, going to be the same explosive group. I guarantee you. But they had Brandon Cooks. You're forgetting that. I don't care. I don't care. Don't care. Because, because Mike McCarthy's calling the plays. I have zero confidence in anything that the Cowboys do. Don't be surprised. Don't be. If the Giants and the Cowboys finish with the same freaking record, if oh, they're tied. Bet, okay, I'm going to take you right now on a bet. I give you 25 bucks the Cowboys finish with a better record than the Cowboys. Jerry, I said they could have the same record. That's And, Justin, and you know, man. I know it sounds crazy, but yeah. it, it's really not that crazy. The Giants took the steps forward last season. They're going to take steps forward this year. I have more faith in Brian Dable than I do Mike McCarthy. Yes, okay. I do. Even Let with me the, give you this. With I'm going to give you an even better bet, Justin, that's going to be in your favor so much. I will bet you the Cowboys finish with at least 10 wins and the Giants finish with less than nine wins. All right? Both might have to be correct for me to win. Only one has to be correct for you to win. Okay. Justin, let me tell you something. Over, how, John, give me over-under. Giants wins. Eight and a half. I'll take the over. They're going under. No, have fun losing your money. Justin, let me tell you something. Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl in 2010. The following year went 15 and 1. This Cowboys roster is better than that Packers roster. That won 15 games in 2011. That I don't, I would, I I don't know about that one, John. That's that I don't know. The defense, I think the Packers defense was on a similar level, maybe slightly better. They're off. DJ Raji, AJ Hawk. Their offense was much better. I mean, their RB one was James Starks. It's not about the running backs. They had five. They went five deep in receiver. They had your Michael Finley, Greg Jennings, James Jones, Donald Driver, Randall Cobb, and Jordy Nelson. That's an abundance of talent. That team was absolutely like they were. They literally should have won sixteen and zero. No, that's fair. They're they had four receivers, um, but Donald Driver is thirty six years old. He was still good. He was still really good. He was Greg I'm Jennings at using- that point. He was still, he was still very good. Was on the um, decline. Wasn't the twelve hundred was, yard guy. He was still very good. I think C.D. Lamb is going to be a top ten receiver. We saw after week one versus the, the Buccaneers, C.D. was a top ten receiver pretty clearly. And he was. The, he hand, the, the hands were surefire. He didn't have any drops. He was probably the second best slot receiver in the game after Cooper. And honestly, when Cooper went down, he was the best. Him and Amon Ra. And um, I think there's a lot more versatility in C.D.'s game we saw with Amari Cooper. And I think Dak Prescott, for as much disrespect as he earned last year, is still a top 10 quarterback. Mm-hmm. Top 12, he's an upper echelon QB. And you look at that pass rush, there's not a hole on this on this Cowboys roster. There's not. Till week one. Till week well, one. That, that is all I say. Uh, when they play cool. week one, I forget. They got a big matchup. Go ahead, Justin. I'm going to find out. No, no, that's all I have to say. Till week one. I, uh, my argument will be for Come September. The Cowboys play. Oh, yes, yeah, the Cowboys. Sunday night football. The Cowboys play the Giants in Meadowlands. Nice. They're going to smack them. They're going to smack, smack the shit out of them. Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah, can't. Bart Scott, can't wait. Can't wait. You best know I'm going to be giving a bet up there and you're going to take it. I'm going to get you so bad. Well, you shouldn't take pride in this. This is like free money Justin's throwing exactly. out. Exactly. Taking money from a baby. Uh, you know, and you know what? I'm gonna have even more pride when I get the money, and he's handing it to me with his head down because he was like, no. "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you were right." Get out of here, Justin! I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh-huh. So AFC, let's do, roll with the AFC. My door. You want to keep going? Backs. You want to keep going? What we're going to AFC? 
If you, you want, want to, to go, we could. or you yeah. want to save that for next episode, I'm cool to roll with it right now. Let's do it. <laughs> I got a little time right here. Ranking I'm, quarterbacks I'm, in the ranking quarterbacks in the NFC. Brandon hey. took the honors first last time, so I'm going to start us off today. Yeah, Number one, Patrick Mahomes. No objections, I would hope. Number no. two, Joe Burrow. I think he's better than Josh Allen from a perspective of pocket presence, accuracy, down and down consistency. Josh is more accurate, or sorry, he's more athletic, but he's less consistent and it's more turnover issues. Brent's got some of the play. Objection. Aaron Rodgers is my number two. Why? What do you mean? What? Because he's Aaron freaking Rodgers, dude. I, 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 need, think- I need paper. Like get a piece of paper because Aaron Rodgers, yes, coming off a bad season and injured, I believe is going to re, re go back to his form. Maybe not MVP, but I think he's. I don't think he's throwing ten interceptions again. That was an anomaly. I think well, he's getting over thirty touchdowns. I think Aaron Rodgers is going back to his regular form. That's why. I, and Aaron Rodgers to me, like, I don't think it should be questioned. Like maybe if you want to right. question, he gets injured. Okay, but yes, look. MVP Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league. I think he, all the time, is a top three quarterback, but it's the fact he's 40 years old and had three different injuries last year. And I look at that Jets offensive line, and I project, look, he had a 39 QBR last year, David Bakhtiari, I left tackle with him. This Jets offensive line has massive questions. Makai Becton is always hurt. Elijah Vera Tucker was hurt last year, and we don't know what he is going to be. So you look at the Jets' concerns, and it's very similar to Green Bay. The only difference is that they got a number of receivers. So I and think Joe Burrow, defense. he's got better weapons than Aaron, yes, but I would rather have Joe Burrow on my team given he's 26 years old. That's fair. I'd take Aaron Rodgers. Burrow's my number three, though. Travis, what are you writing down? Writing I, I got, I'm writing my ranking. I, I, I'm <laughs> with you. I see Patrick Mahomes one. I have Joe Burrow two. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is not my three either. You have Josh Allen, I would have said. Absolutely. Thank God you've at least come down and Joe Burrow is better than Josh Allen. At least that's that's good. You finally come to your senses in that. John, continue. <laughs> at number four, your boy has Justin Herbert. I think him and Aaron are the same package, but Herbert is more adorable. He's taken some vicious shots. He's done this with no speed at receiver, so he's had a lack of weapons. Uh, inconsistent, injury-prone offensive line. Uh, but then last of all, I think Justin Herbert has all the athleticism and the ability to play on the move that Aaron does not still have. Um, and that's really the biggest difference. I think they're neck and neck personally. Okay, so you have Josh Allen three. Oh, my fault. Yeah, I've got Josh Allen three. I thought I was thought it was work. He's kind of like a two B to me. Okay, yeah, Josh Allen three. Okay. okay, got it. Number four, I've got Justin Herbert. Okay. And then slightly behind him, I have Aaron Rodgers at Aaron five. Rogers closing out your five. Okay. For me, it's yeah, Mahomes one, Rodgers two, Joe Burrow three. I have Josh Allen at four, and then I have Justin Herbert at five. Okay. Mahomes one, yeah. Burrow two, Allen three, Rodgers four, Lamar Jackson five. Okay, Lamar Jackson. What makes you go Lamar for Herbert? I, I, Lamar's just proven it time and time again. He's consistent. When he's on the field, his team's going to the playoffs. Uh, he's a winner day in and day out. I, I can't – and I always reflect back now on that Cincinnati game in the playoffs, and I'm like, man, if only they add Lamar, they're moving on to the next round. I, 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 I love Lamar. Lamar's an MVP. Justin Herbert isn't. Not yet, at least. I don't know. I, he's always hurt, so I have him a little bit lower. At number six, 
I've got Trevor Lawrence. Oh, okay. Number six, I've got I've probably got the biggest shocker. Russell Wilson. I think mm-hmm. Russell is going to have a bounce back season with Sean Payton. And I think he's going to, like Aaron Rodgers, is going to revert back to his form of being an elite quarterback in this game. Damn, six is high for Russ after that. That was an ugly year. That wasn't no Dan, you had a bad year. That was a disgusting season. I'm projecting as well, though, too. Like we said, like you said, we're projecting in this, and yeah. I believe, like I said, I think that having Sean Payton is is, I mean, ten times having what uh, I'm forgetting his name now. The head coach they had, uh, Hackett, Hackett. Hackett. Yeah, yeah. Question his name. He's Aaron Rodgers' guy. So I'll go. With, I'll go with Herbert six. Herbert six. Yeah. You know, if you look at uh, Russell Wilson's last two games after your boy got fired and he he only had two interceptions and that was something he did a lot of with Hackett. And yeah, I think I think Russ at six is high because Trevor Lawrence this year to me is gonna be an MVP candidate. And I think he could actually surpass Justin Herbert because he has an X factor and a winning intangible. I don't know if Herbert does. And we saw that in their wild card game where Herbert uh, epically blew a twenty eight point lead. Pretty impressive. If I have to say so myself and her defense is five interceptions. Number seven, I would have Lamar Jackson. Okay. Yeah, I have Lamar as number seven as well. And by the way, it's kind of funny how this would be like the number one quarterback in the NFC, the seventh best in the AFC. Isn't that a little it's, funny? Yeah, that's that what is. I'm talking about. Well, when we get to, I mean, I don't know where John's going to have him because he doesn't like him. But for me, nine to ten is a massive drop off. But seven, Justin, who you got? Uh, I got Trevor. Trevor at seven. Okay. Do you guys think Trevor's going to enter top five this year or Calvin? I think Trevor can easily t- – I can, I think, honestly, if he has a – like like I expect to, I think he's a dark horse for MVP as well, John. Uh, and Like I've I've I think I've gone on record on the show that I think the Jaguars are a very live dog to go to the Super Bowl this year. Um, I think he can surpass Josh Allen in my eyes. I mean, he'd have to, you know, get further than Josh Allen in the playoffs, which I mean. If he went to the Super Bowl, would he pass Josh Allen? Yeah. Yep. I don't say that happily, but yes, I agree. Josh Allen has had, for Bills fans that don't want to say it, and Justin who doesn't want to say as a Josh Allen guy, go look at his numbers. He's had shortcomings. He is also turnover prone as well. He is. Number eight, I got Trevor Lawrence, though. Number eight no is rebuttal Trevor. by Justin. No rebuttal by Justin, because he knows. A number eight, Brandon. I, 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 missed I missed what he said. He's turnover yeah. prone. Sure he did. Yeah, he throws interceptions, so does... And fumbles. Whatever. Number eight, Trevor Lawrence for Brandon. At number eight, I would have Russell Wilson. Okay. Which might... Is Rick. that high? That high up I, I, I still think that's high. I, I, that's where I go, Deshaun. Okay. Wait a second. Do I have Lamar? Did I list Lamar yet? Yeah, yeah you said seven. Good. So eight for John is Russell, which I don't think is high because I have him higher. Justin hasn't ranked him yet. Um, for me, nine is Deshaun Watson. Number nine is Deshaun Watson. And I think Deshaun can also take a big dude. This I'm telling you, this top nine is ridiculous for the AFC. It's yep. ridiculous. Who you guys got at nine? I have Tua. Tua? Yep. I do as well. I have Tua at number nine right after Russ. I mean, this last... So, Justin, you have... Justin, you have Tua over Russell. Correct. 
And John has Tua over Deshaun. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> Is that I'm crazy? Deshaun, yes, he led the NFL in passing three years ago when he was down every single game with like one of the worst defenses. But this last year, Deshaun was really bad, and he had a lot of rust learning a new offense. There's also a case we kind of just overrate prime Deshaun Watson too. The guy who, much like Justin Herbert, was seen blowing a three-score lead in the playoffs and has, yes, with not great teams, but still D-Hop, DeAndre Hopkins, top three receiver, um, had opportunities in the past to have those statement playoff games when his one playoff went to his name. I think prime Deshaun slightly was overrated. Wow. Mm. I don't agree with that. Okay. Will Fuller, too, as number two. He was okay. good, man. Okay. Okay. Uh, who we got at 10? At number John? 10, I'd have after Tua, Deshaun. Okay. Okay. Justin? Mm, this one was tough. Uh, I, nah, fine, I'll go Russ at 10. I was debating between a name, and if I tell you the name, you're going to be mad at me, but... Okay, Russ at time. I'm going Russ. I'm going um <laughs> Mac Jones at time. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I trust Mac Jones more than I trust Tua. Okay. In what way? From a health perspective, that's it. Yeah. Because I would argue Tua does Everything Mac does well at a slightly higher level, I think. I think he's a little bit more would... accurate, a little bit better in the red zone. And in terms of arm strength, you can make the case to his guy better arm too, in terms of uh accuracy down the field. I would say they are very similar in their arm strength and accuracy wise. Um this is what I would say to you. Uh Mac Jones has never played with anybody on the level of a Tyree killer, Jalen Waddle. So maybe that is clouding you guys a little bit more than it would me. Cause I think Mac could, if you take Mac and put him in Miami, I think he does just as good as Tua and he stays healthy. That's a good point. Okay. 11. Justin, who's the guy? Let's hear it now. Who is the guy? So my 11th one, I actually yeah. – this is surprising because it's not Mac Jones, but I actually got Kenny Pickett. Whoa, KP, John! I got Kenny Pickett at 11. I, I really think he's going to have a nice season. I, I think what he did last year, so he made some big throws last year. And granted, he didn't throw too, too many touchdowns, but he showed enough. And I think with the weapons that Pittsburgh has on offense, I think he's, he's, he's going to blossom this year. I think he's going to have a fantastic second year. Well, the uh, last month of the year ended it with four game winning drives. Not to many rookie quarterbacks are as clutch as KP. Yep. Um, at 11, to be honest with you, 11 and 12 are kind of interchangeable. Uh, I have Ryan Tannehill. Okay. KP is, next? Is, we don't even know if he's starting. We, we don't really even know. Is it for sure? Um, I mean, there's been differing reports. It would be either be Levis or Tannehill. Uh, There's reports that apparently Levis is way behind Tannehill. There's reports that Levis is doing very well. I don't know which report to believe, to be honest with you. Okay. 
But like I said, it's interchangeable. Um, if if I to be honest, I'm not going to die on the hill. If Tua goes at 11, Tua goes at 11. I, I really, that one really doesn't matter to me as much. I'm not that high. You guys know we just went through a whole season debating Tua back and forth, guys. You know that I'm not that high on Tua. Yeah, but I, I just can't. I, I'm still. We'll revisit the list when we're done with with uh, the 16. But I, I don't. You got Russ at six at sixes. You guys forgetting Russ. All right, John, who you got at 11? It's been a few years. At number 11, hmm, when I rather have Mac Jones or Kenny Pickett. Mac Jones had a much better rookie season, but Kenny Pickett's skill set outside of structure, play, making plays on the move, and also that clutch gene that I just talked about before, he's got great command, got good feel, good athlete. I think Kenny's just a more well-rounded quarterback. I would say KP. At number 11, and if I'm going to have any hot take for my Steelers, I think Kenny Pickett's going to have a better year than Deshaun Watson. And I think the best part about it, too, is guess what? We're not paying him $200 million guaranteed. We didn't mortgage our future either to get him. I think KP this year with the offensive line is probably going to be first couple of weeks, maybe not great because Dan Moore will be starting, but by midseason, he's going to be protected. Najee should be healthy. And then we've got all the weapons, too. Matt Cannon has no excuse, and I'm excited to see what KP can do. I think. The seven touchdowns, nine interceptions, that gets flipped, and he's going to look somewhere around 23 touchdowns, 12 picks in year two. I'm expecting a notable rookie or a sophomore sophomore jump. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think Kenny Pickett's going to have a great year, bro. I know you're ecstatic about that. So you guys got a 12 because I gave my last two, basically, two. My, my 12 is Mac Jones. Okay. I have Mac at 12. I really don't believe New England did enough to surround him offensively. Uh, I mean, that could still change because D-Hop is still on the market. But uh, as of right now, I'm still not happy with the offseason moves. Get, get your Juju, you get Mike Gusecki, you bring in Bill O'Brien. It's probably the biggest acquisition in, in the offseason. But even then, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be enough because I really have been longing for a, a true number one receiver in New England, and still we don't have it. Oh. And I think that's going to hurt Jones. I think he's fantastic. He couldn't. He could be easily a top-ten quarterback, but – in the, AFC, in the AFC. In the AFC, yeah. yeah. In the conversation, yeah. yeah. I'll say this. If we do, by the grace of God, get DeAndre Hopkins, the Patriots are winning the AFC East. There it goes. I'm guaranteeing that right now if we get them. The conversation. Number 12. I have – this is a hot, hot, very hot one. I got CJ Stroud above oh, Mac Jones. CJ's yet to play an NFL game. I think Stroud is kind of the upgraded version of Mac with a little bit more athleticism and a little bit better accuracy from the pocket. Obviously, we're going to have to see it, but I'm a firm believer in this Texans team because they've got a good tackle duo. Laramie Tunsil's always been underrated since his days in Miami. But I also think, shout out to John Michi. He's coming back this year out of Alabama. It seems mm-hmm. like uh, it's not official official, but you know, all signs are pointing in the right direction, which is amazing news. And then they also got a couple of veterans there, Robert Woods, um, as they're two, they're three. I'm expecting CJ Stroud to have a good rookie year, and I would have him above Mac. Okay. I got at 13, I got Jimmy G. Your boy. I, I got my guy Jimmy. And, you know, the thing is, he, he's a winner at the end of the day. <laughs> he's a winner. I, I've had this spew many, many times. He wins He wins games no matter what. He's not going to light up the, the box for you, but they they find ways to win. So I, I want to I see if this is going to translate in Vegas. He's gonna. He has his hands full with uh, Justin Herbert, 
Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes, but uh, I have to take Jimmy here. <laughs> what is he, Tim Tebow now, Justin? No, well, I, I don't. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't think he's going to translate nearly as well as he did with San Francisco. So oh, yeah, yeah. I, this winner thing that I, I have about him, I don't think it's going to happen this time around. But <laughs> Jimmy's what, numbers. What am I looking at? <laughs> I would take Jimmy at thirteen, though. Jimmy is my thirteenth quarterback. But why are we laughing? Why? Are we... <laughs> because just, you just said he's a winner. That's what he does. I mean, let me put my glasses on because I can't. no, he does. It just, just, just putting it's forty and seventeen is winning, but that's a lot. That's a nice little. But look at okay, you took it off. He only played one full season. I'm yes, I, I know that. But like I said, the, I think the uh, this thing that I have of him being a winner, I think this ends this time around because I don't think Josh McDaniels is anywhere near the coach that Shanahan is. So, Oh, yeah, I 100% agree. I would have Jimmy very low on this list, below Mac Jones at 12. Or, sorry, Mac Jones at 13, CJ Stroud. And the reason why, Jimmy Garoppolo is injury-prone. He's got this foot injury that he should have gotten surgery on in December, but he wanted to come back, it seemed like. And I, I think in this stage of Jimmy Garoppolo's career, he's really thriving off being the Kyle Shanahan product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I agree. 14, I got KP, John Scott, Kenny Pickett. Mm, 14, I got Ryan Tannehill, personally. Same thing with Garoppolo injury concerns. Okay, 14, I have CJ Stroud. I, I really do like what Houston has. This could, this this list is going to be completely different at the end of the season. Well, mm. will it? Yeah, I, I, I really do think so because we don't know what, first off, this guy has Russ at six. Um, I this think, guy, He has Russ at six. That can change. Russ can go completely down or he can rise up our rankings a lot uh we don't know what watson's gonna be now this is gonna be his first full season back in a while uh, a lot can change mac jones if he gets deandre hopkins he can catapult himself into you know top tier afc quarterback territory if if he if he projects correctly right. so yeah a lot can change we got anthony richardson who we haven't seen yet that's my number 15 and jimmy Garoppolo in rank number 16 for me yeah, Avery a- is my fifteen. Oh, you had Jimmy at sixteen. I have Tannehill slash Levis at okay. sixteen. And the reason why is because I think much like Justin Fields, Anthony Richardson's going to come in and, and be an elite level rusher. And with his coach and Jonathan Taylor, they're going to be a run first team that's going to neuter the offense. And it's going to be very much like Jalen Hurts his sophomore year in Philly with Shane Steichen. And I'm expecting Anthony to to really really make some excitement and excite people in a city that has not had a quarterback in a long time. A lot of it's going to be on the ground, but then we'll start to see his development and his accuracy. So he's, he's playing this year. I think Gardner Minshew will start my prediction the first couple of weeks, but by week four, October, definitely Christmas. Definitely. I think really around week nine or 10, we can expect Nathan Richardson in mid season to be starting. Yep. And this is exactly what I called literally, what, two months ago. I said, I was told the entire draft leading up, this guy is a two-year project or even more. And I said, watch it. Watch it. People are going to start clamoring for him. And now John has just gone on record that he is going to play his rookie season when before the draft, everybody was saying he should sit the entire season. I'm just saying this is not the recipe that I think – Indianapolis is dialing up for success for an Anthony Richardson. You know, I agree with you, but we saw Jalen Hurts at the end of his rookie year step in, and, and that helped him in the second half of the year. I don't think everything has to be by the book. Where well, that, done by, that was done by the entire rookie season. 
That was done by situation, though. Carson got injured, I'm, right? Or he got or did he just get straight up benched? I think he got benched because he was the worst quarterback. Okay. See, um, but, but I think be, Brandon, I don't think that again. That wasn't their plan. Like right now, they're going in. Gardner Minshew is their starting quarterback, and that's not a guy you're going to go with the full, full season. So again, I do think they are leading up to what John is saying that he's. Anthony's going to play probably at the second half of the season. I, I'm just saying I don't think that's the recipe for success because I was told the entire draft leading up that he is not he should not be playing his first year. But there could be a case people are wrong, Brent, and he actually can play right away. The same he's way Justin Fields showed, hey, look, he had great moments in his rookie season, and, and sometimes guys that had little college reps need the they need rub elbows and they need to get going on the field because – Seeing from the sidelines only do so much if you only played one year in college. And yes, Anthony Richardson is a project. And yes, he can still play his first year and that will benefit him long term because he needs more reps to get better as a thrower. Or more more should I say, he needs to become more accurate thrower of the football. Okay. And we'll see. I, I think uh it's I understand the whole he he's a project, but sometimes uh sometimes they they're ready before we know it, you know, like We've seen all these. There's been so much positive uh, feedback coming out of him from camp. It's unlike Will Levis, where, like you're saying, uh, they don't feel like he's ready at all. Where uh, on the opposite side, there in Indy, they're saying Avery looks fantastic and is better than they expected. So you, you just never know. That's why I'm telling you, this list is going to look completely different next year. Only only thing that might stay the same is Mahomes one, Burrow two. You know, I think, though, the top five isn't going to change much. Maybe Rodgers drops slightly for people. He's not going to go up much higher. And I think it's very hard against the VIP list in the top seven. Uh, it sounds a little bit corny there, but you know, you're not going to see uh-huh. a Kenny Pickett or a Tua jump in. Maybe some people will throw Tua into the top seven, but I think there's two tiers of the NFC, and while the guys yeah. in the middle may fluctuate, the tiers aren't changing. No, I can hear, I hear you on that. Like I said, for, I mean, you guys surprised me with, you know, a couple of your guys that you had a little bit dropped, like John for Deshaun and Justin for Russell. I thought the top nine was pretty clear in my eyes um, that that's just, and then the drop off from Deshaun to Mac is a pretty steep drop off. If I'm going to be completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. Not fair. Yeah. yeah last year. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Those are the quarterbacks though. Damn. Yeah. I, just, I can't get over that NFC list. Damn. It's terrible. That is horrible. It's god awful. They're getting Caleb Williams next year, maybe Drake May too. Jimmy G? Yeah, where where would you put him in the NFC? Seven, eight. Wow. Probably the Derek Carr range. Maybe a little bit below, because I think Bryce Young's better than Jimmy. He will be day one. I would put honestly, I would put him behind Brock Purdy. I'd put him at eleven. Oh okay. All right, Jimmy. Jimmy. Well, that'll wrap up episode 108 of the Wise Guys podcast. If you enjoy, drop a like right now on the stream, but also subscribe for more content like this. And we'll see you next time. Yep. Oh. To my New Yorkers, stay safe.